재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 And the second part of our Monday first of the week show is Food and Beyond. We are joined by a true culinary expert. She is the digital editor for the Michelin Guide here in Seoul. Her name is Yerika Park. Yerika, nice to see you again. Good morning. I had fun listening to you and uh, Nasun Yun and Sam Ochiri. Why are you listening to your own show <laughs> when you're on vacation in America? <laughs> It fell at just the right time, actually. It's on at uh, 8 o'clock p.m. Okay. So I just kind of tune in for a while. I didn't, you know, listen compulsively every day. but uh, Yes, you did. Yes, I did. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, but I did listen to Food and Beyond. That's for okay, sure. Okay, awesome. Because uh, I always learn something. I go in all... confident and mm-hmm. a bit cocky and then you teach me at least three or four or five new things that I didn't know. I do? Yes, almost always. Awesome. Denjang. <laughs> I mean, denjang is almost a, um, a metaphor, a synonym for mm-hmm. things that are plain or, you know, there's not much to learn about it. Denjang is fermented soy paste, but yeah. I'll bet you you're going to teach me something I didn't know about. Um, I hope so. I mean, you know what? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've never actually made denjang myself. Well, it's a laborious process, isn't it? It is. And it's just way too easy to go to a supermarket and just buy pre- pre-made like, tubs of tenjang. Um, my mom purchases hers from somebody that she knows that they make yeah. somewhere in the countryside. And, uh, that yeah, sounds good. Her tenjang jjigae is amazing. I mean, it's not her tenjang, but her jjigae yeah. made with the tenjang that her friend made somewhere in the countryside is just phenomenal. A tenjang manufacturing site, or not manufacturing, mm-hmm. uh, like an artisanal site, is one of the most interesting things you can see in the, the, the Korean countryside. That's right. And uh, there are certain artisans uh, that make tenjang that mm. have been uh, for generations uh, th- yeah there are a few artisans uh, that, that make uh, this condiment it's a staple on the Korean table mm-hmm. and uh, I really highly advise visitors to Korea or you know even just locals or foreigners who live mm-hmm. here to go go visit yeah. uh, one of these places because you really get to learn a lot and um Two weeks ago, I took a friend from Portugal to... We did a little farm stay cool. in k u c h a n g which is on the southwestern coast of Korea. Uh, yeah, southwestern. And uh, we did a little farm stay, and it was really cool because I found this place um, uh, on the internet, and we didn't know what to expect, but it was just this like, really beautifully built hanok in the middle of you know, farm, a farmland. Mm. And uh, what this man did was he used to live in the city and then he, he moved into this like farm about 20 years ago and he built a red clay cave, (laughs) right? As one does. As one does. And uh, what he does is he ferments all of the tenjang in that in that cave. That is cool. It's a it's kind, it's not a natural. It's a man-made cave, but it's made with like red clay. Uh-huh. And uh, he, you know, he took us on a tour around the cave, and there were pots and pots and pots and pots of tenjang in there, and it was like so cool. Somebody asked, is there air conditioning on in this cave? And he's like, no, no, no. This is just like natural temperature. Mm-hmm. And it's maintained at a constant all year round. It was really, really incredible. It's like a wine cellar kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In, 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 in fact, he makes his own raspberry wine, punja wine, and stores those in there as well. Wow. So that was a really cool experience. And he sounds very savvy about mm-hmm. marketing it as an experience, not yes. just a place where he makes stuff, but yeah. you can consume the experience. And he's been doing that for the last nine, almost ten years and mm. uh, a lot of people have been coming to him to benchmark, you know, his method of fermenting soybeans in this, like, cave. 
that is such an exciting, I think, growth area for Korea. Korea has mm-hmm. uh, miles and miles and miles of um, farmland and so That's much right. tradition. If they would just turn it around as experience, mm-hmm. the way, say, like a Napa or a Sonoma turns that around. I think so. Yeah. And do you know what, uh, with the recent... I don't know, rise in popularity or, um, yeah, of temple cuisine, for example. In the West, so many like three Michelin star chefs, like really famous chefs from France, Mm -hmm. America, whatever. And they're Uh, on TV shows. Yeah, yeah, of course. And they have these amazing restaurants or like temples of like gastronomy. And they're Mm -hmm. coming to Korea to learn how to ferment different foods from monks yeah. who live in the mountains yeah. and, you know, just like locals, like the, the man I met mm-hmm. two weeks ago. And it's really, really amazing. Um, fermented food has never been more relevant, I think, in the, in the global gastronomic scene. I mean, fermented foods have existed for centuries, even in the West. Um, one of the oldest sauces that have, um, that you see in historical records is a sauce from Muria. It's called a garum sauce. Mm. And basically, it's fermented anchovies. Right. Yeah, it's salted anchovies and they're left Yeah, the Roman soldiers the would use that. They would chuck fish in a barrel oh and then, yeah. Yeah, Europeans went crazy over the sauce, yeah. right? Um, so it's really interesting. I mean, Europeans didn't invent it. I'm sure like Southeast Asians and Asians were eating the same or similar sauces way back in the days too. But um, yeah, fermented food has become like a real... It know. really is the yeah. hot buzzword right now, and it's probiotic and exactly. it's good for you. Yeah. Other than the superfoods of like greens and purples, and you know. All right, so let's uh, backtrack. If you yeah. if you're just Wait, getting yeah, off the plane sure. in Korea and you don't know what denjang is, uh-huh. and you're not really familiar with fermentation and all that stuff, let's let's go one on one here. What yeah, the- so. Really simply put, tenjang is a fermented bean paste made entirely of soybean and brine. Okay, I'm not going to kid anyone. Um, That's the traditional method, like just soybean and brine, right? But these days they they do add other grains to it as well uh, during the fermentation process. Like uh, they add like cooked barley in there for a slightly more nutty flavor. Mm. And they're, you know, like big manufacturers are known to add other ingredients in there Mm -hmm. other than soybeans. But it's all approved by the KDA. And brine is just salty water. KFA, huh? And brine, when you say brine, yes, it's just it's salty just water. it's just salt water. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so basically you let soy beans and maybe one or two sort of ingredients sit in salty water and then eventually you have denjang. Is that what so, goes on? No, it, you mentioned that it's a really laborious, you know, it's an arduous task because you have to go through several processes of, uh, processes of uh, fermentation. First of all, I'm just going to break it down very simply. Mm. All right? I'm not going to go into like details, but what you do is you boil a bunch of soybeans mm. okay, until they're soft. Right? You have to mush them up. Um, not super finely. You got to see like little chunks of beans in there somewhere. You, you like, you know, when you eat soybean soup, you mm-hmm. see like the little chunks of beans in there, right? Sure. So you mash it up and then you form them into bricks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you dry the bricks. Um, traditionally, Koreans have like ondol floors. So they would put those like bricks on the ondol floor, cover it up for a few days until it dries out completely. And it mm. starts to smell a little bit, you know, earthy, not too funky at the stage. Okay. All right. And once those bricks are somewhat dry, they hang them. All right, around the house where it's well ventilated, it can't be too warm, um, has, has to be somewhat cool. These bricks cannot be touching each other, or else mm. they would eat, they, they rot quite easily mm. too. If it's like way too humid, for example, they disintegrate. 
they would rot mm. basically. They would develop bad mold instead of the, like the good good mold. Um, so you hang them dry, and once these meju are dry, they're called meju. These bricks of uh, soybeans. Um, what, that's when you store them, uh, stack them into like those earthen jars, and then you put the brine in it. Okay. I see. Yeah. So drying them. Well, as- in a, in a nutshell. Okay. Yeah. And then it's left there for maybe like fifty days, uh, forty to fifty days, mm-hmm. and then the 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 liquid. The byproduct of tenjang making is actually the the kukanjang, mm. the soup soy sauce. I see. All right, which is boiled and used as soy sauce. Gotcha. Right. So you, um, th- when you hang them as those bricks, uh-huh. you're kind of inviting the local bacteria to exactly. Right. So yeah, exactly. So what Koreans did really smart. Uh, they would they would use um, rice straw or hay to kind of like string them up to hang because these straws attract all the good bacteria uh-huh. in the environment. Yeah. Right. So when you go to one of these uh, denjang places, you'll mm-hmm. see a bunch of pots out outdoors with different stages of uh, fermentation. fermentation. You'll see a bunch of those square bricks hanging mm-hmm. up, which is sort of the early That's dried the brick. That's the meiju. That's the meiju. Yeah. And then uh, once you rehydrate the bricks. Mm-hmm. The hydro the the broth there. Once you separate it from the paste, that's, that's the soy sauce. That's early soy sauce. That's that's the kukanjang, mm. the soup soy sauce that Koreans season soups with. I see. Easy. Yeah. And then the longer you let that soy sauce yeah. sit, you've got this super right. high potency. That's of- right. And uh, there there are families that pass down from generation to generation the, the seed soy sauce. Right. You know that's been around for like thirty years, forty years. And uh, I've actually had a chance to taste like super old soy sauce, like thirty years mm. at the uh, chef's house. And you dip your finger in there; it's almost like caramel. Paint. Yeah, it's so sticky. And it's so, it's really, really salty. So you have to dilute it um, with other ingredients when you like use it into so- use it as sauce, a sauce, or p- add it to sauces. But it's just a really, um, really intense, you know, umami. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like uh, the same principle as sourdough or mother vinegar, mm-hmm. right? You add a little bit of that to the the newly that's made right. stuff, and sort of it catches on and becomes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. Okay. <laughs> Not much into the artisanal soy stuff. No, I am actually. I'm just starting to get into it. You know? Are you? Are yeah, you? Okay. yeah, of course. You know, when I was growing up abroad as a kid, mm. I hated I hated soybean paste. I hated tinjang jjigae. I used to like walk around the house like with my pinching my nose. I'm like, why, mm. why are we eating this? Yeah. I, I just want a sandwich or, <laughs> you know, plus I used to be one of those kids too. But yeah. my mom still, she didn't care. She's like, I don't care. You eat it. <laughs> you're <laughs> Korean. Yeah, you're Korean. Eat you're my it. daughter. Eat and it. And now I love it. Of course. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. You can develop, I mean, uh, some people who have been to a sushi joint or who yeah. have been to Japan will, will recognize miso, mm-hmm. which is kind of like super duper duper weak denjang, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Denjang is a much more assertive cousin in terms yes. of flavor than miso. Yeah. yeah. Miso is like f- brand new denjang. Yeah. Denjang yeah. is much, much, much more pushy. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, by now. Uh, in the best sense, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a little bit, got a, a bit whiffy, let's right. say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the sort of very weak corporate denjang. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, that, that seems like miso to me after living in Korea mm-hmm. for a while. But you bring some of that to, say, the US and start cooking it up, and yeah. people will be like, whoa. What is that smell? Uh-huh. Yeah. Miso, I, I don't know. For me, it's like just way mild, way milder than just regular Korean tinjang. I don't even think of miso as something to make soup with anymore. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you put that on salmon or something like that as a, <laughs> a coating, you know? Yeah. And even miso, it comes with like, it comes in different varieties too. There's red miso, there's white miso, you know? Mm. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I prefer Korean tinjang. Mm. That's the Korean in me. 
is you eat a lot of tenjang. I, I know that. I do like tenjang yeah. a lot. But uh, was it an acquired taste for you when you first came to Korea? Did you did you like it immediately, or did it take a little bit of time for you? To I liked kind of miso like... back in the day, yeah. so it was not that big of a transition from okay. miso to tenjang. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like kind of funky things like yeah. kimchi anyway, so it was very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the cheapest and easiest food to make. Right, tenjang jjigae with some dubu and some green onions. Yeah, you're set. Um, Right, exactly. All you need is, you know, the basic Korean soup broth with uh, dried anchovies, like five or six um, per, per for two portions maybe of soup. Um, you can add some dried kelp in there and a little bit of turnip. Make a simple clear broth with that. It doesn't take much time, 20 minutes at most. Just boil it all together. And that constitutes the base for any Korean soups. Uh, same for tenjang jjigae. Instead of just adding water, if you add a little bit of throwing a little bit of dried anchovies and dried kelp in there, mm-hmm. that really adds a depth of flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Denjang jjigae with, uh, you know, if you have some kind of protein Mm -hmm. like a scrambled egg or a piece of chicken or something on the side, you're done. Your meal is set. (laughs) Scrambled egg. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) It's bit where an omelet or whatever. That is like the cheap survival nutrition food to. But it's so good. Remember just a few weeks ago, we were talking about spring greens? Mm. Dalle, for example. Dalle is wonderful. And uh, nengi. Is that over that time? Did I come back, go to no, America no, no, and come back? No, no, they're, they're still around. They're still going? Around, yeah. Okay. You know what? Honestly, they're spring greens, but these days you find them all year round. Okay. Because um, of hot houses. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. I love nengi tenjangguk. You know, that's fantastic. Same. It's my favorite. I just throw in a few um, little neck clams, manila clams. It just, it's so good. Tofu. I like to add a little bit of zucchini. Always like, you know, those like tiny green hot peppers. Mm-hmm. Koreans like to eat. Tonyanggochu. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, slice them up a little bit. Um, always green onions. To add a little bit of, I don't know, that fragrance. Yeah, yeah. And some texture as well. Mm-hmm. Is denjang the oldest food in Korea, do you think? It is. I, I would say. Because, I mean, um, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of denjang. Not too much, but... Uh, yeah, the earliest soybean fermentation in Korea, according to historical records, began even before the Three Kingdoms era, hmm. which is between 57 BC to 668. Whoa. Yep. Actually, and uh, yeah, there is a record that Koreans ate tenjang and fermented soybeans way back in the third century as well. Um, you know, the, another historical record, Samguksagi, which is a historical record of the Three Kingdoms era. It shows that tenjang and kanjang, which is the soy sauce, uh, were prepared for the wedding ceremony mm. of the king at that period. So, yeah. So it was a big deal back then. Nowadays, yeah, we take deal. it for granted almost, but. Yeah. I mean, we take it for granted in in a way that we take many other Korean staples for granted in that they're so common and they're not expensive, but they're always there and Koreans simply cannot survive without tenjang. Tenjang, Because not only do we make it into soups, uh, we eat tenjang as is, as kind of like a dipping sauce for raw vegetables. Mm -hmm. Um, We make samjang with that. That's a staple when when you go to any barbecue joint. Right, uh, tenjang is used as the base sauce to season all kinds of uh, vegetables, mm. uh, like namul, for example. Yeah. Well, let's get into some some varieties of tenjang usage. Uh, you mentioned samjang, which is like the sauce to put in when you wrap up um, meat right. or whatever in lettuce. That's Have you ever made samjang at home? I mean, I've, because they're all they're sold pre-made. Well, uh, I've kind of hacked but. it. It's basically tenjang with uh, gochujang, right? Tenjang with gochujang in the more, most simple form. And maybe a little sesame oil? A little bit of sesame oil. Um, Tenjang? 
No kanjang. No kanjang. No kanjang because it's already salty enough as mm. it is. You don't need to add any more seasoning. But uh, a good? little bit of minced garlic. Ooh. Yeah, a little bit of minced garlic. You can also t- toss in some, maybe some ground perla seeds in there for that extra nutty flavor. Perilla seeds. Do you mean sesame seeds? No, they, some people call them wild sesame seeds. They look different from the regular sesame seeds. They're like completely round. They're I see. super small. Huh, okay. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're very, very fragrant. They have a kind of like a different nuttiness than sesame seeds. Even better, actually. Okay. That's my favorite. And the oil pressed from the perilla seeds. Ugh. It's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, that's, that's the base. Samjang. Yeah, that's the basic uh, samjang. Um, but I've, I've, I've seen people who add like mayonnaise to samjang as well. You know, mayo and tenjang go really, really well together. Well, I, I don't know as though I'd mix them, but I'd mm-hmm. have them in two separate spots. I mean, yeah. when I first came to Korea, somebody told me, here's dry squid. Mm-hmm. We eat it with mayonnaise and samjang or gochujang. gochujang. And I said, get out of here. Get out of my living room. <laughs> and then I tried it and it was wonderful. Oh, you, you didn't tell them to get out of the living room because they served you dried squid? You just couldn't handle the idea of mayonnaise and gochujang? I said, you're lying to me. Stop, stop, stop. Mayonnaise you know, and this hoax that I have but to eat mayonnaise and gochujang it together. It goes so well together. It really does. Right? Because one is, one is really sharp. It's, it's, it's spicy. Mm-hmm. And one is smooth. And one is really smooth and creamy. So they, they kind of like neutralize each other almost, but in a really good way. They really complement each other, I think. Yeah. You know you've been in Korea a long time when the thought of dried squid with mayonnaise and gochujang totally sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the thing with tenjang is that, you know how I have a lot of French friends, but they're really used to the idea of uh, fermented foods and sure. eating funky stuff because that's what cheese is all about. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, some of the cheeses that they open up, <laughs> curl your hair, bring to the table yeah. after dinner, it's like, it's like, really? It smells like animal, you know? It smells <laughs> like feet and it smells really, yeah. it smells like goat. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I would imagine some of the, you've had, I mean, I can only dream of it, the uh, access you've had to these European cheese places, you oh. know, sheep's cheese, goat's cheese, and so forth. And you, the, the most, the mysterious thing is, if you take a whiff of it, you're immediately put off because, oh, that's mm-hmm. not a pleasant smell. But once you take a little bite of it, and then all is right. I think the era of cheese is about mm-hmm. to dawn in Korea. Um, it's just starting. Yeah. It's just starting. I think people are um, people are definitely more becoming more open to the idea of cheese that doesn't come in slut pre sliced packages. <laughs> or, you know what uh, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or Processed tube, cheese. or yeah. yeah. Oh, tube cheese. You know what really freaks me out is what? the cheese that's right by the cash register that doesn't require refrigeration. refrigeration. <laughs> well, that, that's not I'm cheese. Sorry, not cheese. That ain't cheese. That's plastic. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think and cheese that doesn't melt. That's that really scared yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get back to... We, you and I go on tangents. I like it, but we got to get yeah. back to tangents. So what I was going to say is actually foreigners are not... Not all foreigners are kind of like intimidated by tenjang. Mm-hmm. They, they actually really love it. I know lots of uh, foreigners who eat this for lunch almost every day. Yeah. No, I'm among rice. them. I'm definitely among yeah. them. Uh, and I, what I want to kind of tiptoe into is mm-hmm. uh, besides just making jjigae, everybody knows more or less how to do that. What else can you do with tenjang? Um... We, okay, we talked about the dipping sauce, the samjang, the jjigae. And uh, a lot of Koreans add like uh, a few, a couple or three tablespoons, heaping tablespoons of tenjang when they boil pork belly to make posam. 
Ah, you know, when you buy a big chunk of pork belly, sure. you boil it. Uh, maybe you throw in some like few cloves of garlic in there to mm-hmm. get rid of the flavor, uh, the overly porkiness sure. of, the, of the meat, and then maybe some green onions. But they actually add a little bit of soju and also some tenjang because know tenjang about the soju also part. gets rid. And soju, they they all um, do the same thing, which is to get rid of the overly porky kind of flavor mm, that uh, some that. people find a little bit too strong. Soju and denjang mm-hmm. as your sort of aromatics to yeah. boil busam. Again, denjang and pork go really well together too. One of the things that I make with denjang also, here's another thing, a, a way to utilize denjang, to use it as a marinade for pork. Totally. This is where I was kind so, of, or a so glaze. Yes. You know, you dilute it down mm-hmm. with whatever, um, vinegar or soy or something yeah. to get it to where you can brush it on uh-huh. to a, like an anshim or a pork tenderloin. Just a quick marinade. There you go. So what I do is I add a little bit of honey in there as well. Um, a little bit of sesame oil. Beautiful. It all makes sense, right? Totally. So makes just sense. a quick glaze. Uh, it can't be too thick. So maybe I add a little bit of I don't know, like sake or like cooking wine, mm-hmm. rice wine in there. Mix everything together, and you're right about the consistency. It should be thin enough for you to be able to brush it on yeah. onto the meat. Leave it for 30 minutes and then grill it. Over barbecue, oh my gosh. Yeah, and this is where you get back to miso, where miso can be useful. As a glaze. As a glaze. And even Western chefs do that a lot these days. For sure. There's all kinds of fancy restaurants you can get miso glazed salmon. Oh, for sure. And denjang can fill that role very nicely as well. Right. You just kind of dilute it down a little Uh bit more. Um, Okay, we talked about all the, the, the ways that Koreans utilize denjang, but I recently went to a restaurant that made the most amazing pasta hmm. uh, using the, the green tops of the turnips. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's called shiregi in Shire. Korean, but it's the dried uh, turnip tops. And uh, what, what she did was she soaked that until it was soft, and then she made a pasta with it. So there was a little bit of pork in there, olive oil. Um, what else was in there? Uh, that was shiragi, and then she put a little bit of tenjang hmm. in the olive oil in the base, and there I think she had a little bit of oh, stock no in there too. But the ensuing result, and then she topped it off with like shavings of Parmesan cheese. So imagine it's olive oil, Parmesan cheese, pork, and shiragi and tenjang. So it's like medic- are the shiragi thrown in as like stalks or no? It's it's like a core ingredient of the pasta. It's called shiragi pasta. So they're chopped. Oh, up. they're chopped up. Yeah, they're chopped up. So there are elements that are so Mediterranean and foreign to Korean cuisine. And then there's tenjang and shiragi, which is which couldn't be more Korean, and mm-hmm. uh, tossed with um, you know angel hair pasta. It was so good. This and sounds the flavors just phenomenal. Together. This yeah. sounds absolutely kind of uh, kind of slightly Asian, but actually global. So I, th- I I said to her, you know, this smells Italian, but when I tasted it, it's just bordering on. Asian mm-hmm. cuisine. Mm-hmm. So it was like right there at the border. It was like the the most interesting flavor mix. Let's just quickly recap this recipe. So yeah. the, the base of the sauce is what? Olive oil? Tenjang. Olive oil. There's a little bit of ground pork in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of ground pork. So I think what she did was in a pan... I didn't, I didn't see how she cooked it. She brought me the, the finished product. It was a restaurant. So olive oil, uh, maybe like saute some ground pork... Okay, uh, I don't know. Maybe she added a little bit of like garlic in there, of course, and mm-hmm. then shiragi, maybe a little bit of stock mm-hmm. of some sort. Okay, and then just a little hint of tenjang. It wasn't like the, the sauce was brown. Mm-hmm. There was a hint of tenjang in there, and then to that she added the pasta. Cooked pasta, obviously. Co- of course, yeah, cooked pasta. Cooked angel hair, but or whatever. I guess you could yeah. do anything. You could do penne, or and whatever. it was wonderful. 
And another Italian friend of mine, whenever he makes like, you know, Italian sausage pasta, he adds a little bit of samjang to the sauce. No kidding. And then, yeah, but yeah. he's Italian, yeah. a Korean Italian. So whenever he feeds his sausage pasta to his chef friends, they're like, hmm, there's something in there. Can't quite pinpoint, it. but it's wonderful. And there is the takeaway for today's right. Denjang episode. <laughs> when you want to add this little sort of je ne sais quoi yeah. to an, almost anything. Bit. Yeah. yeah, umami you call it all the time. That's right. Yeah, kind of salty, kind of uh, a depth of flavor. Yeah. Salty, yeah. They'll never know your secret. A little. They will never know. They're like, hmm, what is that? It's wonderful. <laughs> fantastic. Yerika, you taught me that shiregi pasta alone was worth the uh, the time. Oh. That's a fantastic uh, idea. Thank it's you. It's been fun as always. Thank you very much. Bye.